Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 called The Ten Commandments, First and Second. Now while it is true that God used symbols... He doesn't want anything made to represent him. We'll see that in a moment. He did allow symbols like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. He did allow the temple to reflect his glory in many ways. But the temple was not God and the Ark was not God. And when the disciples were showing Jesus around the Holy City in the last week of his uh, earthly ministry in his life before he died on the cross, they said, Lord, look at all these incredible temple buildings. And Jesus said, do you see these? I tell you. Not one stone will be left upon another that will not be thrown down. In less than a generation from the time that Jesus spoke that, the temple was destroyed to the ground by the Romans, and it has never been rebuilt again to this day. We're almost 2,000 years removed from those words of Jesus. And by the way, that was a prophecy And within 40 years of him speaking that, the temple was completely destroyed. And the temple became something known as Ichabod. The glory departed from it. It, The building became more important to them than God. In 1 Samuel 4, the Philistines, one of the arch enemies of Israel, steal the ark. And the people are like, oh no, they took our God. And they tried to put God in a box. Everybody with me? That's a little humor for you. God is not contained in an ark. God descended upon the ark to reveal himself in special occasions, but you can't box him. And the ark became symbolic of his presence. But here's the point. God is higher than any ark. Paul comes into the city of Athens, Greece. It's all steeped in philosophy and education. All the bigwigs are there. And Paul sees this marketplace, almost like going to the mall today. And along the marketplace are 3,000 different uh, uh, objects built to different gods and goddesses, altars, even one to the unknown God, just in case we missed one. If there's any other God out there, this altar's for you. And Paul walks in And the Bible says in Acts 17, 16, that he was annoyed. Do you like that? It's biblical to be annoyed. However, to be jealous for God's glory. Because he saw the city swimming in idols. 3,000 different altars to this God and goddess, this God, this God, this goddess, this God, this God. And Paul was annoyed because God was being dishonored. And God and Paul turned that annoyance into preaching. That'd be a good thing if we do that as well, right? He didn't go up into the Areopagus where they debated ideas and go, you're all going to hell in a handbasket. You're going to fry. See you later. Have a nice day. Hey, anybody want to know where to get a sandwich? No. He was winsome. He said, what you worship in ignorance, I now proclaim to you. Then he said, the God who made the world and everything in it, he's not worshiped by human hands. He doesn't dwell in buildings that human hands have made. That's not who God is. And there he began to preach the good news of the gospel. 
That's what we need to do with our culture. Our culture's confused. Our culture doesn't know a whole lot about the Bible. Latest Barna poll, uh, they interview professing Christians, evangelicals, and when they peel back the onion, only 6% of professing evangelicals have a biblical worldview. And you know where the percentage is for millennials? 2%. Who profess to be Christians. But then when you begin to ask them doctrinal questions and life questions, they don't really have a biblical worldview in navigating their life. Where is the disconnect? What is happening? And yet at the same time, you see something like the Chosen series, and it's being watched by millions and even billions of people around the world. There's a hunger for the things of God. And the you know, the creator of The Chosen said, you know, I, I don't want this to replace the Bible, but people aren't reading anymore. I want it to move people to the Bible. Amen. Amen. And so here's one more. This is Jeremiah 10. Hear the word of the Lord. He speaks to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the nations. 10.2. Do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are delusion. Because it is wood cut from the forest, talking about the idol now, the work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers so that it will not totter. Now this, some people have thought that this is a Christmas tree and that it's wrong to have a Christmas tree because they cut something down and then they begin to decorate it with silver and gold. Brethren, there's no Christmas in the book of Jeremiah. (laughs) You guys, got, you got to realize that he's writing six, seven hundred years before Jesus was ever born. This is not a Christmas tree. But I will say to you, if you go and cut down a Christmas tree and you put your tinsel and lights on it and put it in your living room and then you walk into the house and do something like this, a Christmas tree, a Christmas tree, you're the only one who understands me. We got to talk. But a Christmas tree actually finds its origins in Christian Germany, where it was to remind people of eternal life. (laughs) Some of you are never going to get over what I just did there. (laughs) And I get it. But I thought you needed a little bit of humor in the midst of commandments, okay? Anyway, so here's the deal. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, not the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz, are they... They, idols, cannot speak. They must be carried because they can't walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. There is none like thee, O Lord. By contrast, our great, great is thy name and might. Who would not fear thee, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is thy due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like thee. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. Stupid is a biblical word. In their discipline of delusion, and it's almost like Jeremiah is saying this, your idol is wood. <laughs> if you've got to carry your God, you're in trouble. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. Don't go with what the nations do because they live in a delusion. 
professing to be wise, they became fools and they begin to build things in human likeness, four-footed creatures, animals, and so forth. And they worship the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forevermore. Last week, I went on a couple minute tirade on climate change. Why? Because climate change is not the biggest thing facing humanity. We need to repent and return to the living God. And someone said to me afterwards, thank you. I will tell you that uh, as a pastor, we, I never want to be, you know, clapping to, on a point because all glory goes to God. Uh, but I will tell you a quick story. There was a pastor who, you know, the congregation was regularly clapping for points that he made. And he went into a five-minute diatribe about how they shouldn't clap for him. They should only clap for the Lord. And then they gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> so whatever you want to do with that, you, anyway. But here's the thing. Do you know the ancient gods have reappeared? Because climate change, as much as we should take care of the planet, has become the issue. And so much so that in the ancient world, the, the gods and goddesses, they uh, tried to appease them so that they would keep the climate well. They would get fertility blessings, crops and the like. We're doing the same thing, brethren. I'm not talking about reasonable stewardship of the planet. I'm talking about the extremes that we are going to now, where we've made this the number one issue, and it is far from the number one issue. And as I mentioned last week, the world ain't going anywhere until God decides. And so idols are summarized this way. Psalm 115 verse 8 says, Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them, Psalm 115 8, you become like the God you serve. God's purpose and his laws is to shape us more into who he is. We're to be conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. But if you make a God and you worship that God, then you're going to become like that God. Here's an example. Ray Comfort is one of the great evangelists of our time. He goes up to people and he'll say, you know, he'll ask them about heaven or about God's law. And someone will say, respond like this. He'll, he'll talk about that God is holy and righteous and that there's a judgment coming. And they'll say something like this. Oh, my God would never judge anybody. My God would never do that. My God would. And they keep saying, my God. And finally, Ray says, do you know that your God is a God of your own imagination? You've made up a God that you're comfortable with, and then you worship that God. But that God is impotent to save you because that God doesn't exist. It's your idol. And that's what the world has done. They reject the words of Scripture, make a God that they're comfortable with, worship it, and claim that it's spirituality or worship multiple other deities along with the God of the Bible and claim that they're okay with God. And Jesus says, no, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one's coming to the Father except through me. Now, much can be said about this, but we're going to move on for the sake of time. Back to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to wind it down because I want to hit the mark and get all six verses in. So commandment two you shall not make an idol for yourself of any likeness. You have no other gods before me is number one. Number two, you shall not make an idol. Make for yourself an idol. Notice, first of all, have no other gods. Possession now, don't make a god. Don't manufacture a god. Don't make for yourself 20, verse 4 of Exodus, an idol. Or any likeness of what is in heaven, celestial, above, on the earth, beneath, terrestrial, 
or in the water under the earth that would be aquatic. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak to you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth on Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Once again, 844-48-TRUTH. Listen to our podcast miniseries, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called In His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World with guest speaker Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute. You know, sometimes we as pastors think, oh boy, I don't want to get distracted. I want to stay tethered to the Great Commission. And I agree, we should be about the Great Commission. But the question is, what does the Great Commission teach? The Great Commission teaches that we are to disciple believers. What does that mean? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, we're to teach them to obey all that Christ commands. What is one of those commands in Scripture? We're not to shed innocent blood. Exodus 23, 7 teaches that. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 teaches that. Matthew 5, 21 references that. So when we speak about abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, we're not distracting people from the Great Commission. We're helping them align with it. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com. Or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk in Truth's A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Don't make for yourself 20, verse 4 of Exodus, an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven, celestial, above, on the earth beneath, terrestrial, or in the water under the earth, that would be aquatic. Don't take any representation of anything like this, sun, cloud, stars, constellations, in the heavens, earth, animals, etc., a bull, a goat, whatever, half man, half hawk, don't do that. And don't take anything aquatic, anything under the water, a great sea creature, whatever, because those are things that God made. Don't take them, make a representation of them, and here's the key, and worship them. This is not verses about artistic expression. This is not that you can't paint the heavens. This is not that you can't paint a whale. This is about idolatry. Don't make something in these images and then worship it. That's what God is saying. God is the master artist. It's not something about art here. It is about idolatry. And so he says, don't make any of these things and then don't bow down and worship them. You shall not worship them or serve them, five. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, let me park here. Someone as famous as Oprah Winfrey has said, she grew up in the Baptist church and she has an issue with, Verses like this, because it says that God is jealous. So if you think of jealousy in a negative 
context, like I'm jealous of you because you drive that car. I'm jealous of you because you look like that. I'm jealous of your ability on the computer, or I'm jealous of your sporting ability. I'm just jealous. And you're coveting. That's a negative, sinful jealousy. But there is a holy jealousy. And when you're wholly jealous in a marriage context, think about it, you're jealous if your spouse cheats on you with somebody else. If your spouse was doing the wrong thing in that area and you went something like this, you know, I don't really care. They're, they're messing around with somebody else. It's fine. It's good. No, then we got to talk to you, right? You should be jealous with a holy jealousy because when you're jealous in the right way, a holy jealousy, it means you love somebody so much. You've made a devoted covenant with them and you don't want anything to break that up. That's a holy jealousy. That's what God has. And that, by the way, shows that God cares what we do. And so here's a scary verse. Visiting the iniquity, it could be, visiting could be an act of mercy or judgment. In this verse, it's judgment. The iniquity of the fathers on the children. Now, children, you need to really listen up so you understand this one. You nudge your parents a little bit. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers or the parents on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who what? Who hate me. This is Stuart. He's a commentator. This widely misunderstood verse does not represent an assertion that God actually punishes an innocent generation for sins of a previous generation. Rather, this oft-repeated theme speaks of God's determination to punish successive generations for committing the same sins learned from their parents. In other words, God will not say, I won't punish this generation for what they're doing to break my covenant because after all, they merely learned it from their parents who did it as well. But to this is contrasted his real wish to show covenant loyalty or love, verse six, to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. By the greatest numerical contrast in the Bible, three or four to a thousands or thousands, God identified eloquently his real desire to have people remain loyal forever so that he might in turn show the rich blessings of his resulting loyalty to them. A couple of comments. Number one, how you live as parents and grandparents matters. And it even matters to children yet to be born. And I will say that even though the Bible says that children are not judged for the sins of their parents, they often suffer the consequences of the sins of their parents and learn to often embrace the sinful habits of their parents. So if you have, for example, how many of you are first generation Christian? Before that, there was not Christianity in your household. Raise up your hand high so I can see it. Okay, it's, it's a good portion of our crowd. So you're a first-generation Christian. So if you grew up in an atheist household or maybe a, of a different uh, world religion, etc., then, then that rippled back to you. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be saved, as is evidenced by the hands that are up. But it simply means that what happened with your parents and grandparents, if it wasn't founded uh, upon God's principles and love for God, it ripples down. And people often feel the weight of that. But it also ripples in a different direction. Because for those of you who have now planted your flag, the generations to come are now going to benefit from that decision that you have made to put the Lord first in your life. 
And they're going to reap now the blessings of that decision. Amen. This is verse six, and this is where we end. But by contrast to verse five, God shows loving kindness to thousands or a thousand generations, NIV, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Yes, God is a jealous God, but what he deeply desires is to show mercy, to show loving kindness. That's the Hebrew word hased. It speaks of a covenant loyalty situation relationship. I'm loyal to you because you showed me loyalty. I want to show my loyal love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And God is faithful. And Psalm 115, verse 8 says, He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded to a thousand generations. Psalm 105, verse 8. And Father, as we wind down this message, we think of Jesus, the ultimate uh, display of your faithfulness. Because what the law couldn't do, weak as it was, weak as I am, Jesus did. And Jesus, with your head and heart bowed, lived the perfect life that we could never live. He fulfilled the law. He died on the cross to pay the ransom for our debt, to pay the penalty we deserved. And then he rose to defeat death and to show who he was and to make a way for us. And Jesus Christ is the answer to the fact that we missed the mark. And Father, would you forgive us for the many times that we've missed the mark? We've fallen short. Sometimes we've done it on purpose. And we kind of thumbed our nose at you and we said, I'm going to do it my way. And maybe for some of us, we would say, there's idols in my life. There's things crowding out the living God. Things to my own uh, hurt and harm. And Lord, I want to turn from those things and If you're not sure that you're a Christian right now, this would be a wonderful time to realize that the Ten Commandments don't save you. Keeping them doesn't save you because you can't keep them. Jesus saves. And he came to satisfy that law. And he came to die for you. And he was treated on the cross as though he had committed your sins and my sins. And he took the wrath of God at the cross for you. God's love came down again in the person of his son. And he is literally a prayer away. And if you want to know him, the Bible calls to forsake your idols, to repent, and to place your trust in the one true and living God. What he said about life, about salvation, what he says about us, and how much he loves us. And you have to have a moment where you decide for yourself, as for me, in my house, we're going to serve you, Lord. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself to that in your own Christian walk and family. So for all of us right now, there's a prayer that you can pray. There's no perfect prayer, but something like this, Lord Jesus, pray it if it's you. Thank you for coming down to save me. Thank you for fulfilling the law perfectly. Thank you for dying in my place at the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice because of your love. I turn away from my idols, my sins in my life. I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I'm asking that you would make me new. And let me be born again to a living hope and a better covenant in Christ. 
And Father, for those who are praying, you know every heart. Would you encourage those who are feeling weak and maybe stressed out and poured out? And would you draw those who don't know you yet, but would like to know you into a personal relationship with the living God so that they might know the one who is true and just and loving and faithful? Would you bless your people, this wonderful congregation, Lord, the precious uh, folks that are here, the precious families that are here. Uh, It is such a wonderful body, and I'm asking that you would bless them, keep them, that your beautiful face shines upon them, and that you give them peace in knowing you. Rich blessings ahead, Lord, and just strengthen them in everything that they need. In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people said. You've been listening to The Ten Commandments, First and Second, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program or parts one or two, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, that more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. Or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the third commandment. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.